1: Welcome to another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Eddie Conlon, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. We just finished up watching JMU men's soccer beat Cal State Fullerton. Jack, how are
0: you? I'm pumped up after that Tyler Clegg, what would you call it, a missile to the back of the net. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to talk about all things football, men's soccer, women's soccer, volleyball, field hockey, uh, any other sport that's going on right now.
1: I'm also ready to go. Should we just jump into men's soccer since that's fresh on the
0: mind? Yeah, so men's soccer just beat number 14, Cal State Fullerton. And by just, we mean like five minutes ago, ten minutes ago by the time we're recording this. They got it off of a Tyler Clegg missile to the back of the net. But we were kind of texting throughout the game, and we brought up one fatal flaw in this JMU offense.
1: Yeah, so they've won eight in a row. They're playing very well. We, we know they're good, so we're kind of picking nits here and just getting at the point of for a team that wants to contend for a national title, our our one thing is that they're pretty reliant on on Ferriol um, for offensive production. I think coming into the night, he was the only JMU goal scorer with more than three goals, and he had nine. Yeah. Right? And the, the player – let me see if I can pull up who it is. Dennis Mensah. Yeah, he's a freshman. He scored three goals against – Elon he had a hat trick in that game, those are his three on the year. Everyone else is at a at a lower mark. Tyler Clegg now has has three on the air after this game winner. But yes, yeah, so there's a lot of ferial, which there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's also just you can make a case that there's there's some concern there that if you're going up against a really top team and they'll take on a heck of a defensive team in number one Virginia, I think that's they've got three matches in between then. But um October fifteenth, that's a big one on the road at Charlottesville. And Virginia plays great defense. They haven't given up a goal in 537 minutes. They're really tough. So I imagine they'll key in pretty hard on Ferriol. And I think when you go in matches like that, will JMU be able to get enough offensive production from everyone else? I think that's that's sort of my question or concern, if you want to say that. But what are your thoughts on this team and and sort of the offense outside of Ferriol?
0: Yeah, I mean – you said Ferriol is the only one with three or more goals with nine. He also is the only one in double-digit scoring with 21 points mm-hmm. on the season. That's his nine goals, so 18 plus his three assists, 21. So that, too, just shows his, his dominance. And I mean, that's not taking anything away from what he's done this season. I think he's been really hot, and I think he needed to get hot for this team. They graduated out some of their offensive firepower from last season. And Ferriol's kind of the go-to guy this year. Um, I know when we had Noah Ziegler on, he kind of mentioned a couple other guys who were starting to step up into a role. But since then, since that Wake Forest game, it's really been the Manu show. And, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. But when they play UVA coming up, they're going to key in. Cal State kind of keyed in on Manu tonight. Yeah, he got a good couple shots on goal. He had a couple opportunities. That just shows you how good he is as a soccer player that when he's being keyed in on like he can still make those opportunities but cal state knew he's the go to guy and that's why jmu had i think they probably finished the game with 20 shots and only one goal i mean the other offensive guys need to start to find their shot and need to start to put it in the back of the net and cuz with cuz without that i mean yeah they're going to beat up on CAA schools but are they going to beat uva coming up uh, they'll probably beat penn state really the only game you have circled that you need more than man who's going to be that uva game so that's a big one to circle
1: right yeah that's sort of my thing Is like i mean they beat wake forest who was number one at the time with Ferrell being the only goal scorer in that that match so you can't look at it from the other side and say i mean they could still beat the best team in the country yeah at the time with just Ferrell being the offensive guy i think our take is that his uh, defense is sort of adjust a little bit. If Jamie does want to win the national championship, if we're going all the way to that level, if they get other people, other players to step up on the attack, so Ferial isn't the only main goal scorer. Yeah. They become a legitimate, like a very legitimate national title threat.
0: And I mean, and they have the guys that can. I mean, if you, got, yes. you go back a couple of weeks ago and listen to what Noah Ziegler had to say, I mean, he mentioned three or four guys that were, almost budding superstars. Tyler Clegg looked fantastic tonight. Yep. Um, that end goal was powerful to say the least. I mean, it, it bounced off of Ferial. The referee gave the play on his man who got uh, fouled there. And Clegg just found the ball and just third time saying missile in this podcast launched a missile to the back of the net. So maybe he's the guy that steps up and is the, is the peer number two, but also, Jamie prides itself on winning in the back two-thirds in the midfield, getting possession, and in the back third in the defense. So if you can just kind of lock down those and you can turn the attacks into counterattacks, maybe you don't necessarily need a pure two. But I, I do think they need someone to kind of step up and take the load off of Manu.
1: Definitely, definitely. And you've got Dennis Mensah, who we mentioned and Tyler Clegg both have three goals. is a freshman, Clegg's a sophomore. You've got Clay Obera, who is a really talented freshman who's played um, a good amount this year. I think coming into this match, he was just under 400 minutes. He had started seven of eight games that he had played in. He's a really, really talented, highly recruited kid from Virginia. So, I mean, there's a lot of young talent here. And I think that you mentioned, like, looking at the rest of the schedule, there's not a ton that you're circling outside of UVA, which I think is yeah. fair. Yeah. Um. And I think that that's almost perfect because it gives these young players a chance, maybe not to beat up on easier competition, but to get confidence going into the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And maybe scoring goals as opposed to having to play somebody the caliber of UVA every night.
0: Exactly. I mean, look at Dennis Menzo. You beating up right. on bad opponents, he beat up on Elon. He scored his right. three goals in that one game. He's Played in nine games this season. I don't know if he got play time tonight. I'll be completely transparent. I wasn't really looking for Dennis Mensa on the pitch. But he started in one game, and, yeah, he beat up on a bad Elon team. And coming up they're at Northeastern, at Villanova, at Delaware, Ooh, that's a road stand that I did was not aware of coming up. But, I mean, teams that aren't ranked, teams that aren't number one, this is your chance to kind of maybe test out a different offense for a quarter of the game or – to, or, or a full half maybe something like that see give different looks so when UVA is looking at a tape they're they're not seeing oh they're gonna play stout defense and they're gonna turn the turn our attacks into counter-attacks try to feed the ball to Ferial
1: yep and I think we won't belabor the point too much I think we just killed men's soccer <laughs> that was yeah, great I think, we, we, I think
0: that was some good men's soccer content too I mean but a big-time win, I mean, a, technically Huge another win. upset. Huge win. And they're going to move up in the polls if they continue to win. What's that, six straight?
1: I think it's it's eight now. I think they started 0-2 and they're
0: 8-2. 7-2. Yes, 8-2. They haven't updated the JMU Sports yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. website that I'm using.
1: So they are absolutely on a roll. And, and yeah, we were kind of talking ahead. We don't want to obviously diminish the win, which is, like you were saying, technically an upset. And I think both of us thought that JMU was – very clearly the better team in the 90, or I guess whatever they played, 95-ish the, minutes. The
0: stats of this game, I'm just going to read them out real quick if I can find them because the game's over. But, okay, yeah, here, here they are. Just to put it into perspective, Cal State had seven shots, only one on goal. However, not however, and then to compare, JMU has 18 shots, nine of which are on Just absolutely obliterated them.
1: Right. I mean, that's impressive. When you're going up against a team that's, you know, a better ranking than you and you get more shots on gold than the other team has shots total. (laughs) That's a pretty massive statement from from JMU. So they're they're looking, you know, every part of a top ten team right now.
0: Yes. And now you know who else is looking every part of a top ten team?
1: The Dukes of JMU. Which one? Do you like how I did that? Because we're just <laughs> talking about all Jamie sports and there's no way for anyone to know.
0: It could be it's anyone. We could be talking field
1: hockey. Like, yeah, Yeah, I don't think. Yeah. No, Ben and Uchin company the football team.
0: Yes. Yes. They look yes. great. I just remember last week with Lawrence. That's all I could say.
1: That was our transition was just yes.
0: Yes. But football is yeah. looking great. Just beat down on Elon. Is this the time we over-exaggerate and say this is the best JMU team we've ever seen? We should
1: get. We're getting close to that time where we overreact yeah, to I think everything a, that's happening.
0: I think another beatdown warrants a uh, best team ever.
1: They look really good. I will. I'll give you that. I mean, you know, I was impressed with the forty-five to ten win, and uh, my schedule lined up well for me watching a lot of these games live. Unfortunately, uh, but. I... Get a chance to watch like the replay of the games and go Sports. back through sort of play by play and analyze it a little more, which is interesting and enjoyable. Yeah, thank you, Flow Sports for. <laughs> I won't say it was a quality broadcast, but it was a broadcast. <laughs> well, is that <laughs>
0: Flow Sports fault or It's not Flow
1: Sports. Fault? Is it's not Flow. It's it's Elon doing the broadcast, and somebody mentioned it on Twitter today. It's it's on the CAA to actually get on their teams for and make them produce quality broadcasts. So I don't blame flow at all. There's no issue with like the feed buffering or anything like that. So yeah. from the flow perspective, I was you know, pleasantly surprised with what I've done so far Is just sort of the, uh, the schools don't necessarily have anything close broadcast wise to what JMU has. There was one point in the broadcast going a little bit off the side where Ben DiNucci threw a pass, but he sort of stopped his arm went forward goes into the ground and the announcers are talking about oh, like, uh, yeah, how, it, yeah, yeah. how it's a fumble because somebody touched it it's like it's not a punt like he threw it with his hand
0: yeah there and they were just
1: yeah i I, and even if he guy. was punting if ben dinucci was punting with his hand and jmu touched it <laughs> it wouldn't be a fumble it'd just be down like, it was just crazy but um yeah other, other than that it was pretty good <laughs> I don't know where I was even going with this point. Other than um, that, I had a chance to like rewatch the game, oh, yeah, yeah. and Elon looked um, very much overmatched outside of like one coverage bust early in the game. Um, yeah, I mean I've been impressed with Jamie since the West Virginia loss.
0: So have I. I mean Ben Danucci's been efficient. Um, the running game is working. Kind of what surprises me the most is the offensive line. Yes. Last season they kind of seemed disjointed. The beginning of this season in the first couple of games. You almost kind of sat back and you're like, all right, this is the second year, third year of you guys being in at JMU playing together. And the problems that there were last year seem that they aren't completely fixed. But as of late, it seems like they fixed them. And now everything's firing on all cylinders.
1: Yeah, I took a bunch of notes um, on different position groups. And the one on offensive line is that they're just like moving people off the ball. Yeah. they're, They're blowing people up and they're creating holes for pretty much every running back throughout the game. Um, Raymond Gillespie was awesome um, on the left side of the offensive line. Fornado was, was his usual self. He was great. Um, <laughs> Bethea was really good. I mean, they were just – Elon's defensive line looked overmatched, right? It looked like yeah. a team that, that wasn't ready physically, and I think that's something that that JMU is able to do because of how successful they are in recruiting and things like that. But this is what we expected last year, and it just never happened.
0: Yeah, the, the last season after the William & Mary and Richmond beat down, mm-hmm. we were thinking that this is that Elon game was going to be like this and the rest of the CAA was going to be like this. And it never happened. But also I'm I'm now more hesitant after last season to kind of start saying bold things. Yeah, this team looks great, but they played St. Francis and Morgan State. And... It seemed like a bad Chattanooga team that got overhyped in the off season, right, so this was jane good win, and I mean it was a great win. The offensive line looked fantastic. secondary got burned a little bit, but got bailed out by receivers having bricks for hands. yeah, there are a lot of drops, <laughs> but overall, I mean. I don't think it matters how good or bad the secondary is when the defensive line can get into the backfield in point two seconds with Rondell and Daka and Adi Batariwa and Mike Green and I'm out of starters. But like, this team's good. But I don't want to say anything more. I don't want to jinx it because I know it happened last season.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that they've done it against slightly better competition. But I will agree. That, I mean, like St. Francis and Morgan State and Chattanooga, you're saying is a little overhyped. And Elon, honestly, might not even be a playoff team. Yeah, they, so
0: they, they were barely a 24. And right. I, I think they're out of the poll now.
1: Yep, yep, they are. And Stony Brook slid into number 24. So it'll be sort of a similar test, uh, road test against the number 24 team again. We'll see what happens there. But before we get on to Stony Brook too much or, or anything else, I had one take for you. Oh, I, I love takes. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. So we talk about this a lot. We're gonna talk about it. We have a shameless plug here. A round table coming out probably Friday morning, um, with you, me, man, and Chase Kitty.
0: Such so I man, that was one of my best writing of all time.
1: So it's gonna be a lot of fun. Fun <laughs> to read. Should be exciting. Um, but in there I think we talked about the running back by committee. I think that yeah. was a question. We did. Well, I was listening to the Jamie Sports blog podcast, and I think I'm I'm on board with what Rob was saying, which is I'm not really hating
0: the running back by committee approach anymore. So writing the round table, I had to stick to my guns. My guns yes. being anti-running back by committee. I'm still against it, but I put a little caveat in the, um, in the round table that I'll kind of spoil now for the listeners. I don't think it's as much as a running back getting into his rhythm as it is the offensive line opening up holes. Yep. So as long as the offensive line has their rhythm, I don't care if it's Van horse, Austin Douglas, Latrell Palmer, who we'll talk about later, who's an absolute monster mm-hmm. or, or Percy or Hamilton, like they'll get going because the offensive line is now in their rhythm.
1: Right. I think that's sort of my take as well is just, I mean, if you have, Percy, Jawan, Van Horse, Douglas, Palmer, why not give them the ball? You know what I mean? Like, why not use those guys if you have them? And if you've got the offensive line creating big holes that pretty much anyone on the team can run through, then, yeah, keep everybody fresh. It means you have one back in the game who is constantly fresh, um, which is really tough to defend. And from what I've seen, at least, from what I've watched and and sort of rewatched, I don't think there's much of a drop-off between – You know, somebody like and someone um, like Hamilton or Percy.
0: Yeah. And I think, oh, I completely lost my train of thought here. Uh, What was it? Man, this this wasn't my point, but another point I had to make. I think Palmer's now leapfrogged Douglas in depth chart. I don't think we'll see Austin Douglas as much as we have. I think we'll start seeing a a healthy dose of LaChelle Palmer, especially in those. Uh, short yardage situations but man did i forget my point before that and um if it comes back to me i'll I'll say it
1: perfect but yeah i was (laughs) i'm with you on the palmer point i think that he was someone before the year that i forget what article i wrote about him, but i did write about palmer and sort of said like you know just given his size like he makes sense as the short yardage guy yeah and he's been really successful he doesn't do a lot of A ton of, like, juking and anything like that. He's pretty much just hitching the mouth, go forward, and, you know, make one or two cuts. He's got a really good stiff
0: arm for a freshman, too. I think JMU Duke Blawog with a W. Yes. um, Tweeted a gif of Marshawn Lynch. (laughs) Right. Does Latrell Palmer remind anyone of this? And being a Seahawks fan, like, I don't take that lightly. But Latrell Mm -hmm. Palmer, the way he kind of runs and and is as a player – he does kind of remind me of Marshawn. Kind of an angry runner. He's going to hit you in the mouth. He's not necessarily going to make you miss, but he's going to make you hurt. And he got the hair. You got the Yeah. Matching got the hair.
1: yeah. But, you yeah, know, he's a he's a really good running back.
0: Um,
1: been excited about him. I'm looking through all the notes that I, that I have. I wrote, Palmer is going to be a problem. So that is my note on Latrell Palmer. I think defense is in the CAA. It's just crazy to me to think, and I know that, you know, to a certain respect, you need to sort of stay in the present. But assuming people stay healthy, you're going to have Palmer, you're going to have Douglas, and then C.J. Jackson, who hasn't gotten a, a carry this year, I don't believe. But he's a really talented guy. You got like four years of that, yeah, including this year. I mean, that's crazy because Douglas and Palmer are great. You've still got Percy and Juwan hanging around. And you got Van Horse. <laughs> and I forgot about Van Horse. Right, he's a redshirt freshman. So you got four years of that, I mean – it. They're already playing, like, some of the best running backs in the conference. It's kind of going to be ridiculous once they, you know, get to their
0: junior and senior seasons. Yeah. I remember the point I was going to make. I think the running back by committee thing is more of a selfish thing. As, a, as me personally, like, I'll admit, as a fan, mm-hmm. when you look at the stats and you don't yeah. see the dotty numbers of, like, 200 yards, that you know that, pers- that really any of those running backs can put up in a game. And so you see five carries for 50 yards, and you're like, man, that's not good. But if you look at it, you're like, oh, that's 10 yards per carry. And also, with Palmer, he averaged, I think, like nine yards per carry. And the scariest thing of all, his two touchdown runs were of three yards and two yards. That brought down his average, which means he had fantastic runs throughout that game.
1: He was just so good. Um, And yeah, I mean, he's just a really really good player. Um and the other thing I wanted to mention here that I had in my notes is that the wide receivers and the tight ends were especially the Stapleton brothers were mauling people down the field <laughs> with blocking. That was something that really stood out is that like yeah the offensive line was killing people, but then you had Elon corners and safeties that were just getting demolished by by these large tight ends and, and Stapleton, Riley Stapleton who's He's built almost like a tight end, honestly. He's, he's he a little six bit fire. leaner.
0: Like what, like 220?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's probably a little bit leaner, but you look at the NFL, he's not the fastest guy in the world. He might make sense as someone who translates to a tight end. I mean, especially with the way he blocks. So, I mean, that's something, too, <laughs> that if JMU can block the way they're blocking on the offensive line with the tight ends, with the receivers, and they have, you know, six or seven backs that they feel comfortable going with, I don't, I don't know how anybody on the current schedule – is going to be able to stop JMU's rushing attack. Yeah.
0: Now, here's a question for you. We've talked about the good of JMU, their offensive line, defensive line, blah, 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 everything good. Is special teams, though, their Achilles heel? It's
1: a good question. It's one that they're getting a lot of heat for. Um, Racky's been pretty good, but you look at, like, the West Virginia game, they had a blocked field goal. Um, There's been a lot of muff punts. Yeah. Like, a lot of muff punts. Which you, is certainly a little bit alarming.
0: Yeah. Do you blame that though on Kane Grant Kane, the special teams coach, or do you blame that more on D'Angelo Amos?
1: It's a good question, and that's another one we've got Seamus plug in the roundtable. But we're obviously yeah, I'm plugging. Uh, that you as we go. Yeah, we'll give you more detail in the roundtable and all that stuff. But one of the things that jumps out to me is all the there are a lot of people on Twitter who are kind of asking like, well, what's going on with Grant Kane because he's a really well accomplished special teams coach it's not like he's going out there telling Amos to bobble the ball or, like, he's yeah. asking him to field it, like, with one hand. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's it's on Amos to go out and execute. It's not like Grant Kane, you know, did something that changed yeah. Amos' technique. At least I wouldn't think he did. And that's yeah. why he's muffing kicks. I think it's just he hasn't caught a couple. And I don't know. It, I assume after you muff one or two, especially the big head. one in the West Virginia game, yeah, exactly. You're thinking about it. The time you go to catch the ball you're thinking i really want to catch this i really want to catch this I really want to catch this yeah um and it's interesting because they've got other guys on the roster who could probably field kicks but d'angelo amos is also probably the best punt returner in the fcs when he catches it cleanly so it's a I, it's a really weird situation
0: i i kind of push back on d'angelo amos being great i think really he, i think he's really good um And he's one of the best ones, but I don't think it's – I think it's more his team around him being great, if that makes sense. Like, I think he had last season with Roy Tesh a fantastic punt team, and that's what set him up for greatness. I think if you put a Jawan Hamilton back there, a Brandon Polk, I think you might see more, if not the exact same type of output. That's
1: probably a fair case. I still haven't seen – and maybe they've done it. I haven't seen them return kicks. I have seen Amos, so that's kind of why I, I yeah. stick with him. Uh, but, yeah, I think Polk would be the one that would be interesting to me just because he's he's clearly fast and quick. But the other thing is I guess you could always, you know, there's always a little bit of an injury risk if you put somebody back there to return punts. That's true. Not that they, not that they want Amos or, or, like, would pay with Amos getting injured, but I think you could maybe make the argument that if he gets hurt, it's less of a blow. Then, then Polk, I don't know that it would be less of a blow than Hamilton or anything like that. So maybe this is just a stupid point, but <laughs> I don't know. I still think Amos is one of the best in the country, although I do I do very much see your argument saying that, like, Polk or Hamilton, you know, why not give him a yeah. shot? And I think if, I don't know, if they get up again like that on, on Stony Brook like they did on Elon or someone like that, it would be interesting to see if they give some guys some reps. And I don't know if they have in previous games. I haven't paid a lot of attention, honestly, to, like, late in the game punt returns. But. Yeah. Um
0: interesting stat I found out that when I was compiling stuff for the um round table. Jamie's yes. average punt return in yards, punt return yardage, yards per return. There we go. That's I'm trying to figure out what to say. Was 20.32 yards per return and kickoff was 21.35 yards per return. And then that was, that was the three-year average with Roy Tesh at the helm. Okay. Now, with Grant Kane, their kickoffs are a eight, they're eight yards higher, 29.25 yards per return, which I think you can circle that and say, Grant Kane, good coach, good special teams coach. It's not his problem. Because then you look to the punt return, and it's 5.75 yards per return. They've had 12 returns for only 69 yards this season.
1: Yeah, that's,
0: that is a heck just of a, a fun stat. Fact, just fun fact. Just throwing that out there for the Grant Kane haters.
1: So here's my question for you. Do you think the kick return – so is the three-year average under Tash, right? Yeah. Do you think – how much of that would you attribute to Jawan Hamilton, like this year being the, the primary kick returner?
0: If Jawan Hamilton was a primary kick returner this year, what do I think their punt return average would be?
1: No, no, like he is the kickoff guy, right? Oh, oh, for kickoff. So, like, do you point. think that yeah. he's in for that like eight-yard bump?
0: If I'm not mistaken, he was the returner last year, and they averaged 21.96 in 2018. Okay. Um, I think they've had more opportunities for slightly bigger, bigger gains on kickoff. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that is coaching. I think that, that you can chalk that up to coaching a little bit. Um, but I think Jawan Hamilton also is just explosive in terms of that. But I think that, I, I think that, that was kind of a, a, the point of there isn't a drop-off in kickoffs. If Grant Kane was a gotcha. bad coach, there'd be a drop-off in both. But in the small sample size we have, there's actually an increase in kickoff. I think we can chalk up the punt return struggles to the three muff punts.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. I think that's fair. So it looks like, just looking at stats, it looks like Hamilton only has two kickoff returns, but he's got one for 56, and it looks like the other one for like 47 or something crazy. <laughs> so he has been good, but he only has two, right? So he's not completely skewing yeah. the average. They also probably haven't had too many kicks to return.
0: That's what I was thinking, too. Like that's Just given long. the yeah, scores eight.
1: of games.
0: Yeah. Eight. That's and interesting. Juwan, that- yeah.
1: One of two of them. But yeah, I mean the average is skewing down based on the other returns. So no, but seeing that it does make you wonder if if Hamilton's a guy that that could potentially return punts, just because the muffs have to stop. But if, if Amos does stop muffing punts, I think they'll be fine. Right? Also and, muffing
0: is one of the hardest stats to find. They don't really like put it anywhere. It's not a fun because it's not a fumble because you never had possession. It's a muff and they don't have it anywhere. So I was trying to see if Amos had a muffing problem in past years, and I could not figure it out. I don't remember him really muffing
1: many last year. You. Neither do um, I. But, but, no, I mean, that'll be something that's, that's worth monitoring. There's, there's certainly no doubt about that. It's going be, gonna to be fun to watch.
0: Yes. Yeah. All right. Going down Oh, the, the other out- thing
1: – I had one other thing I wanted to quickly mention. I was, that's okay, why I did a, weird, did a weird pause. With the special teams, it's like I think a lot of the cane heat is because of Amos muffing punts, and I don't know that that's fair, which I think is kind of the point we hit on. But also, yeah. they blocked a punt in the Elon game. Yeah. They blocked a punt. Kickoff return looks really good. Kick coverage looks pretty reasonable. And punt coverage is pretty reasonable. I think they lead the CAA in net punting.
0: Yeah. Like. And, yeah, I mean, there's never been a time – like kind of hearing that Grant Kane upsetness, like, yeah, like being upset at Grant Kane, I was kind of like, I was taken aback almost because there's never been a time I've watched a game and I've been like, oh, the special team looks bad. It's always been, oh, Amos muffed it. Oh, it was a longer field goal, so the trajectory is more of a line drive, which makes it easier to block. Like, it was never like, oh man, the special teams really messed that one up for us.
1: Right, I mean, it just seems like something that I don't know. It seems more like an execution thing. And Amos had a nice little return in the in the Elon game. I still think there's a lot of potential for the punt
0: return. I'm excited um, to see how this one plays. You're the Amos in favor. You you being in favor of Amos and me being in favor of other. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. See if With it the, end of the season if Amos is still the the guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, end of the year is like a preseason. All-American, that's a of turner now. Yeah. Team. If the loss could, I mean, it's crazy. Let's switch gears to the defense. I think we hit on the offense pretty thoroughly. Or actually, What
0: was that? Do you want to talk
1: about DiNucci at all?
0: Hmm, I didn't see a lot of DiNucci slander this week. I mean, he's being efficient. He's being great, as we all knew he was going to be. And if you throw out, I mean, he's he's a fantastic quarterback, and he can lead us to the promised land.
1: I think that's fair. I had one quick point that he has had three or five passes.
0: Very much been
1: intercepted across the course of the season that were not. And he's super but he's got, like, one passes each game where you're like, ooh. And it just finds a way to fit him in. I think they've almost all been completion. Brown, against between two people. He had one against the The England bench was celebrating with a pick six and then came out with the ball. It somehow got by the. He hasn't been completely, but um, one interception on the season has not thrown an interception against FCS school, if not his consecutive passes with a pick.
0: Good. And I think it's he's making those risky decisions at the right times, too. Right. He tends to do it when like, i mean, most teams. This
1: is risky. With Daniel you know, very much at the end of the game. So if the passes, intercepts, really, I think is, is an important thing to note. Yeah.
0: Okay. Now, with our Danucci out of the way, our weekly Danucci um, roundup, swinging over the defense. You tweeted something today from Jamie Sports News on Twitter that received attention from a lot of people so far, including himself, who yeah. tweeted it and said, Don't sleep um fantastic stuff but Adiv Atariwa I think he might be one of my favorite defensive linemen on this JNU team I did a piece on him one of my sideline hits last season shameless plug I was the sideline reporter last season I'm never gonna let that die until I get a job Um, (laughs) but I did a thing on him when he was injured last season all of a sudden kind of opponents' run game started to get better, and Jamie's run defense took a downturn. And then when he came back, it was almost like you just you just threw something over the, the bleed. A band, you put a band—there we go. You put a Band-Aid over the bleed. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the defense started getting better again. I love Adip Atariwa. I love what he brings to this team. What do you see out of Atariwa throughout this season and kind of his growth?
1: Yeah, I might be overreacting a bit, but I think— Every single starting time in this JMU team is a legitimate roster. Uh, yeah, before I was, I was on the same level I sort of like that argument. Thought that Green, T- and o- Carter, were all like going to have a really good chance of making um, either NFL rosters or at least just getting you know like a, a camp invite or something like that. Well, Atarawa looks awesome. He's still a redshirt junior, so he's going to have him next year. But he's been dominant, man. He's athletic. He gets things quicker than most people expect. He's stood out to me, at least, on offensive line with John Daka, him, Ronald Carter, and Mike Green, which is really impressive from the defensive tackle position. So he's somebody that's just jumped off the page. You look at the speed, the strength, which is pretty good size.
0: Yeah. Um, I
1: mean, if you look to play at the NFL level at defensive tackle, you're probably going to want to be closer to, you know, 290, 300. But I don't know that it would be that hard for him to add 10 or 15 pounds to do next offseason or whatever. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Because he, to me, at least, he's just dominating people.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's dominating people. He's absolutely fantastic. If you go back and listen to what I said, I, I don't even remember what I said. But just at the time in the season, it was it was around the Elon game when he goes out, and all of a sudden, like you're playing Stony Brook and Elon, and these teams that pound the rock and just hit it up the middle, an inside zone team, a power run team, and Atariwa was out for a couple of games and was kind of injured during that time. And then when he came back, when he was at full strength, all of a sudden the defense kind of locked down, and then you start throwing guys into the middle to to stop Atariwa and I think Mike Green did plays a lot of D tackle, which frees up the edges for DACA and Carter specifically on this season. And yeah, the same goes for for the rest of this season. I mean he has what, seventeen tackles, four and a half for loss, um, for thirteen yards, negative thirteen yards, and he has a sack on the season. And he has a he has a pass defended too looking at his stats right now. Yeah. But I think Atari Wall is the unsung hero of this D line. I think he's needed for all cogs to function because him, you're not getting Rondell and DACA on the edges on one, one V one situations.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that the defensive tackles are committed. They've been really impressive. And it's a good point last year. They, they struggled against the run when Ontario was hurt. And it's something that most people kind of ignored. I think I almost overlooked that as well. And you just can't do that. He's a really good player. In the starting defensive line for JMU, I think you know, I think Dukes will probably take that unit over anyone in the country. Um you can make an argument that the depth is a little bit lacking, but those first four guys are just unbelievably good. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievably. Good.
0: Yeah. So they're they're scary.
1: Yeah, they're just defending. <laughs> Elon's Rondell's offensive line just, was getting
0: crushed. Yeah, I mean Rondell's just a monster. I love John Daka. I think him and Atariwa are my two favorite D linemen just off of pure athleticism alone. I mean, watching—I think it was against the William and—I think it was a, yeah, it was the William and Mary game last season when Daka had a huge sack and absolutely went crazy. But all game, he was just dominating off the edge. He was quick off the snap. He, he made the tackles look foolish.
1: Yeah, that's something that I do because I went back and watched the game and did like a film breakdown on Twitter a little bit. And I had a lot of stuff on the D line, just Carter and DACA. And DACA was just, he's really violent when he gets to the quarterback. He had so many near sacks in that game and he was crushing Davis' cheek. He's just such an athletic dude and he's one. He translates well to, I'm sort of, um, sorry, outside linebacker or um, like edge rusher at the next level. Yeah. Because he's got sort of, He's not like a, you know, a guy who's going to be a, a run stopping defensive end of the next league. But pass yeah. rushing wise, he's really really special. And I don't know, if you're a, a team, it's just so hard because it's it's hard to run up the middle or even on the ends against this Jamie defense. And there's times where you get yourself in third and ten, got Carter and DACA coming off the ends, and you're just running for your life. So it's it's hard to attack this defense.
0: Yeah, and I mean we're not even talking about the. Uh... The linebackers at all. Right. Which the next level of defense after the line being the linebackers. You, if you're trying to run on the edge, if DACA and Carter aren't going to chase you down, you're going to have Landon Word, Dimitri Holloway, and company chasing you down.
1: Exactly. They've just got a really good defenders in this. that are doing a lot of things. And one of the craziest stats this year is that Landon Word has 13 tackles. Like he just He's hasn't been. had to. Much because you got the defensive line cleaning up. Wayne Davis has been pretty physical.
0: Wayne Davis has been fantastic. This he's a really great player. He's a really really solid guy. I think he finally has his role in the defense that he completely fits into. Big time. I mean, there's there's a lot of like
1: NFL talent. I'm not saying these guys are going to go on and necessarily like start at the next level, but I think you've got most. I Think you get close to most guys at least get a camp. Like, which is impressive. So I mean, there's there's NFL level talent on this D. Um, Rashad Robinson sort of stands up and talked about him. Got an interception in the Elon game, I believe. Like, yes. You know? So I mean, they're they're loaded
0: Just yeah. across the board on D. Yeah. And you know what that leads us into? Well, I guess we have to talk a little bit about the upcoming game this week. That's fair.
1: We haven't really talked
0: yet. Yeah, we we've talked a lot about this season so far, but I mean, big game this week against Stony Brook, another top twenty-five team. What do you expect out of it? I, I, I you know,
1: <laughs> It stands out. Storm one, the ranked twenty-fourth schedule is awful. It's just awful. They played Bryant. FBS Utah State. Utah State's a good team. Sorry, seven. You've got Wagner, who goes out there and they win twenty six to ten home against Wagner. Not very impressive. Ooh. They beat Fordham. Fordham is bad. Then they played Rhode Island and used like a miracle second fifty yard quarterback scramble for a touchdown. If you've not seen it, look it up.
0: After really, giving up it, the lead,
1: right after giving up a ten point lead in the final like three minutes. So, I wasn't overly impressed with that one. Um, if I got to be honest with you, and I li- I liked your, your um, comparison of Stony Brook or, or Outlook on Stony Brook last week when we were talking about them playing Rhode Island. Their head coach is tough, Chuck Riori. <laughs> it's like, that's pretty much what, yeah. It's like this <laughs> Long Island team that tries to play tough. They're going to scrap and compete really hard for a potential, but they're not that good not that good. Um, I think Jamie wins by at least three
0: touchdowns. Okay. Um, Yeah, I think I, I said when we started this football segment, I don't want to be too high on this JMU team because they burned me last year so hard. But based off of what I saw last week, just how Jamie's defensive line dominated the point of contact. I'll quote Mike Houston. How the offensive line dominated the point of contact. Like, I don't think there's another FCS team outside of maybe the, maybe a not even a UC Davis, maybe a South Dakota State or a North Dakota State who can keep up and compete in the trenches with JMU. So with that being said, I think JMU just wins up front and will run the ball down their throat. I think Stony Brook will do the same thing, and I think they'll do the same thing to a fault and kind of run themselves out of the game. And I think JMU wins by, I'll say, I'll set the uh, spread JMU plus 14 and a half. Okay. I think that's pretty
1: much what it was, what it was set up by again. So uh, that was a good one for you. <laughs> I respect that. I think JMU should win by a lot more than that. Here's here's my question for you. Ooh, and a question. All right. I'm ready. a quick answer. I'm going to use that. What do you think is the weakness defense
0: oh we are just plugging this round table aren't we We the secondary without a doubt this secondary is their weakness
1: okay i think that's a fair point i agree with you there here's Mm -hmm. the issue stony brook kind of struggles at throwing the ball so jamie's weakness on defense it's not even a huge weakness but the one that really stands out is probably the secondary so the starting quarterback uh fields for stony brook 52% 52% of his passes this year. Ooh. Touchdowns and 2 receptions. so that's But he's averaging 186 passes per game. My issue is that I think they're going to be in a lot of third, third and long situations. I think they're going to run the ball the way they want to run the ball, and then that leads to them having to throw the ball, and they're completing 50% of the passes. Like, I just don't have any idea how that would work when they play a okay. bad an schedule and they can't complete their passes.
0: Yeah, I, I like that. That's a really good point. Um, I'm going to stick to my fourteen and a half, and um, with that spread, I'm telling, I'm telling
1: you guys, he wins by quite a bit. But I we'll see. So we'll see what happens. the over?
0: The over is what's the over? I have you know no idea. I've okay. Checked. Let me wait. Let's stall for a second as I go check the line. What? Well, yeah, it's a line open you know,
1: minus fifteen for JMU, I would I would definitely lean toward JMU covering that. Um, I just I don't know, Stony Brook hasn't played that many this year. It's, they're a competitive team I just think that the issue is that they're their offensively is passing and just defensive weakness is, you know, passing so I don't think it's an area where Stony is actually going to be able to exceed anyone in have defensively, they're really good against so far, Stonebrook has been, but they're giving up almost 250 passing yards. They're a pass, They've given up eight touchdowns to do the
0: interceptions. I think that is absolutely hard. I'm looking forward to it. And all this talk, well, so who do you, so you have JMU winning, of course. I have JMU winning, of course. You by 21, me by 14 and a half. I like that lead-in going into the CAA thing. It's time for this week's weekly pickem, Bennett. You have a two-game lead on me. I'm coming for you. What are the this records this week? You know. Yeah. One second. Let me pull up the graphic. Just add two wins and two losses. Okay, CA weekly pick. I'm coming into the week. Bennett, you were four and one. Jack, I was two and three. Now you are six and three, and I'm four and five. You picked all the way teams last week, though, which is crazy to me. Hey, one two and two. Could have been one. Yeah, but if you picked, if you didn't pick the, all the away teams, you would have gone 2 and know, two. two. <laughs> yeah, probably. Okay. Well, no, I would, so, would have been two, and two, right? Because it would have been the river. Well, it's not necessarily. If you picked Villanova instead of Maine, I don't know why you were so high on Maine. You would have got.
1: If I had just, if I had just picked like one home team. Yeah. And like mixed it up. Yeah. If I did all home team. <laughs> so, <laughs> what are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> I get it. Ah. I get it. I get it.
0: Yeah. The Albany one is stupid, though.
1: Like Albany winning a football game is ridiculous to me. So,
0: well, I, I think stand that by also the and Mary just pick. goes to show how wrong we were on William and Mary. We were just way too high on them.
1: I feel like I deserve most of the blame there. I feel like I kind of got you on the, back cause I was yeah, like, you did.
0: You're really competitive
1: <laughs> with the, got, I, was,
0: I was ready to die for William and Mary. People who were like. Damn that was fighting. on me. Hundred percent on me. I laid some money down on them this
1: weekend as well and that <laughs> backfired. Huh. Oh well, well you'll win make back mistakes. This
0: week. You'll go so, this well, week.
1: I also have the rating right now, which is a good
0: Okay. So CA Pick 'em. We have Albany Richmond. Who do you got?
1: I'm about to do this.
0: You're going to pick Albany.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to pick Albany. Richmond Richmond just lost to Fordham. It was bad. Richmond's bad. Albany. But Albany's coming off a respectable win, which is weird to say. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't think Albany's... Good, but looking back at their previous games, they've actually been more competitive than I thought. Yeah. Give
0: me Give me Albany over Richmond-Albany. Okay, give me Richmond all day, because, like you said, it's a bad team versus a bad team, so I'm going to give the favor to the home team. They're all about the home, home away.
1: Yeah, that's a big thing. No, they're playing in front of, like, 18 people.
0: All right, moving on well, to the do next tra- game. You do have to travel. See, I'm not crazy. So, Elon, they travel to New Hampshire. What do you got?
1: Uh, I think Elon's weird to me because they're very much like overrated. I don't think they're a playoff team. I also don't. New Hampshire's really good. I do has been kind of scrappy this year. Great. Right, it's a Holy Cross. That's not,
0: not... That's not good at all.
1: My... My my train of thought here, I'm also scrolling up on the schedule so that's why I'm like, oh, they're scrappy. And then I'm like, what are well, they there? I should have done more research for this. I do all this
0: research with like the actual podcast. I never do it. <laughs> but, that's what makes our CAA Pick'em fun. I think <laughs> you should just package the Pick'em and put it out.
1: Like what? Oh, just like as a clip? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I did. I was just, like, but are we getting an article in the CA Pick'em?
0: Um... <laughs> I'm really curious because you're back and forth here. You got a scrappy New Hampshire team that's not scrappy against an Elon team that you don't know anything about. That you that, you, that we we have question marks all across the board.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say New Hampshire wins. Um, it is this is one where I do think it's kind of tough to go to New Hampshire and win. Say that Elon just ended up in a game that I think probably meant a lot of them emotionally, playing against Kurt Cignetti and JD, So I'm going to say the New Hampshire rides rides the wave of emotion from winning the home game last we against a reasonably good game squad. Um, yeah, I like, I like him.
0: Alright, so I'm really not going against you just to be contrarian. But I really do believe Elon wins this game. New Hampshire's not good. I think Elon... I think Elon's a respectable FCS program. I don't think they're on the level of JMU, and I think that showed last weekend. So Elon goes to New Hampshire. Yeah, New Hampshire's a hard place to win in, but... Elon can do it behind the arm of Davis-Cheek and head coach Tony Trisciani.
1: I <laughs> uh, love we'll you doing that of every head coach in the CAA. <laughs> Chuck Priori. <laughs> all right. Okay. Villanova. So I feel like I'm going to have a four-game lead after those two,
0: so I'm feeling good. Damn, all right. We're so- talking some trash. All right. I, mean, I feel like we're going to be tied up, and then this game is the one that comes down to it. Villanova, William & Mary, are you still high on the Tribe, or are you high on Villanova, who lost to... Wait, they did William & Mary just lost to Albany. Villanova's good. Who do you got?
1: So I just judged last week both these teams horribly, right? So I said William & Mary was a lot better than Albany. They ended up losing, and then I said that I thought Maine was going to upset Villanova, and Villanova beat the crap out of Maine. So I'm going into this game just... <laughs> completely wrong with my my idea about what both teams are. I don't I don't think I can pick against Villanova at this point just because I think they're playing like a top five team. I think they're one of the best teams in the conference. I think they're probably the second best team. Why do I they think you're going to say, but I'm
0: going to pick against Villanova?
1: I was actually really tempted to, but I'm not going to. You can't lose to Albany and then have my support when you're playing a top five team. So <laughs> Villanova on the road, they beat the crap out of Mike London's team. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, let's just roll with that. Yeah,
0: I think with this pick, we're going to be tied after this week. Villanova goes in and That'd be destroys fun. William & Mary. Absolutely destroys William & Mary. Did I say destroys William & Mary? Because they're going to
1: destroy them. They're a good team, both sides of the ball.
0: Yeah, I think I. that's the game, the next game I have circled for JMU.
1: Yeah, it's a huge one.
0: That's next week, actually. I didn't realize that.
1: Yeah, so is that how you do your circling, just week by week?
0: Yeah, actually. Then, then <laughs> after the Villanova game, you know what game I have circled? Is it William & Mary? Yeah, it's William and & Mary. That's nice, and then, that, nice. And then do you go
1: Towson after that? And then the, Yeah. I'm assuming you circle, you know, you circle the uh, the bye week after that.
0: No, actually, the next game I circle is the FCS playoffs uh, second round, because that's the next <laughs> yeah, time okay, you are playing a real game. Because
1: Richmond and New Hampshire don't matter yet. And Rhode that's Island. Great. I forgot about them. Ro- hey, Rhode Island
0: can... They'll probably have a lead late in that game and then choke. Actually, in that CA pick week, if I'm down like big time, I might just pick Rhode Island. Pro. You just said you are going to be tied. Now you're talking about if you're getting killed. <laughs> Man, your
1: confidence is wavering. <laughs> I go back and forth pretty easily. Yeah, we're going to be
0: tied after this. But if I'm down like eight picks
1: three weeks from now,
0: <laughs> uh, I'm going to okay. do all upsets. Wraps up CA pick with that one. And then we're going to just – Truck along, hit these last couple Olympic sports, real. Yeah, sporks. we both have JMU for the last one.
1: Which yeah, we picked that
0: about. one. Be- we picked that one before.
1: Yeah, just to clarify, don't forget, everyone, that's the late game this week. <laughs> and are you gonna you're gonna be there, right?
0: Yeah, I am. I'm really excited just to talk about that for a second. I'm really excited to go and watch this team like in person because, like. Watching them on a TV in a bar just isn't the same as much as I love. If you're in the NYC area, come on out to Rattle and Hum West at the uh, Mm -hmm. NYC JMU Watch Bar. We have $6 drinks, uh, $6 beers, $6 house wines, and $6 well drinks. So if you find yourself in New York City on a nice Saturday, come on over to Rattle and Hum West for a nice JMU experience. But yeah, it's just not the same. It's just not the same watching it there as it is in person, as I have for the last four years.
1: Yeah, so let me know how it goes. And also, give me, a on the next podcast, I we'll want to talk about the Tony Brooks Stadium, because I have never
0: been, and I honestly have no idea what it's like. Yeah, I'm really excited. I, the Fall Stadium is going to be interesting to see. Jamu is 0-1 when I go to see them play in the state of New York with your parents in the same stadium.
1: Yes, yes, that Colgate game. I have not confirmed with my parents that they're attending. Okay, but 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 I know they've they've talked about it for months, Hmm? but it is they've talked about going for months, Uh but it is televised, so that may (laughs) keep them away.
0: Yeah, it's out. It's on SNY.
1: Yeah, so they might just just watch it on SNY out of laziness. But I think it's supposed to be. Well, I actually have no idea. I'm basing this off of Charlottesville weather, but is it supposed to be like kind of chilly? (laughs) Yeah, because Virginia. Well, I know it's getting. I know it's like nineties. Eight degrees in Charlottesville today. I was like, "What the hell's going on?" Okay, do we then, curse yeah, in this it, podcast? I don't know. It, it was, was like, 90.
0: well, we've cursed before.
1: Okay, well, it was, yeah, it was it's terrible here.
0: Bomb. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was
1: awful here, and then it's going to be kind of not cold, but it's going to be under seventy. Saturday,
0: here. sunny, high of sixty-two, Yes. fifty-three. When okay, well, it's going to be east, like football weather then.
1: Yeah, you actually sound like the. <laughs> yeah. like weather channels that's pretty good
0: Local I, I had a uh, uh, talk show on WXJM uh, uh, for like three semesters me and my friends and like you have to every 15 minutes you have something you have to say and I think it was at the 45 minute mark you had to do weather and for some reason I was the one assigned to read out the weather so I would just uh, I really, I really uh, figured it out thanks man some I down. Maybe I should go into meteorology. Honestly, you should put out a tape of just weather calls. It would be <laughs> hilarious also. Huh. Okay. Right. Olympic sports. Let's go to women's soccer first.
1: Yes. I have almost nothing on any of these teams because I they're not mean... doing anything exciting. But anything you're interested in, I will make something up and rattle it off.
0: Here, let's just – Really nothing I'm interested in for a couple of these teams. I just want to kind like just hit their schedule real quick. Yes. I mean, women's soccer scrolling down. Um they're not looking like what they did last year. They tied mm-hmm. Women Mary to start conference play two two in double overtime. Well, they tied them, so of course I wanted never mind. Then uh they lost one nil against Delaware. Um They don't play again until October 6th. So this Sunday, Yep, this team isn't as good as they were last year. That's all I can say.
1: Yep, I concur.
0: And, okay, now going all the way up to volleyball, we're going to drive on down Carrier Drive to Sinclair Gymnasium inside of Godwin Hall. And um, looking at their schedule, I really should have – I really prepared for football this podcast. I did not prepare for anything else.
1: I have some basic knowledge because I did the newsletter on Sunday night, but
0: so still Damn. pretty limited. Damn, they lost to Towson.
1: Yes, they Rowan. did at home.
0: We said they shouldn't lose to anyone ever again. Yeah, I imagine they'll probably
1: drop a couple, but um, still 2-1 in the conference. I think that they'll, they'll get back on track and, and keep rolling. I don't really have too many worries about them dropping a match.
0: Perfect. <laughs> Perfect what else was
1: there field hockey field hockey oh they had a bad one you're not gonna like this when you scroll down
0: Ooh, i'm excited oh, it's loading and i'm going into schedule now scrolling scrolling nine zero <laughs> okay it was number
1: one north carolina i had a chance to watch them in person uh, for the daily progress they actually beat number five uva five to zero so oh, really good north carolina is unbelievable yeah okay They've got, like, national team type of talent on that roster. And, uh, yeah, Jamie was overmatched. But they finally get CAA play starting this Friday. So I think we'll learn a lot more about where they are. I, I don't think the number one test is, is all that relevant, although it, it might be a minor blow to the confidence to give up.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, Golf. Did
1: anything happen in golf? I don't. Do we talk about them winning? We talked about them winning already, right? Yeah, I I mean, they, it, that,
0: that was our pull audio quote.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, they have not played a tournament since, a fall tournament. Uh, the women's team, let me do a quick scan. Yeah, they also haven't played. All right, so we're good there. Cross country? Um, oh, man. Yes, I'm checking now. Cool. Cross country? Well, they, I didn't, wait, they won the Queen City. How did I miss that?
0: <laughs> Man, they're going to be upset. What? <laughs> out of 39 teams? James Madison Cross Country won the Queen City Invitational out of 39 teams on Friday evening. Brooke Mannion, Kayla Conley, and Mackenzie Watkins all finished in the top 10. The Dukes finished first as a team with 41 points, followed by Milligan with 86. Wait, how did... I'm ticked that I missed that. Do you get good points? Is it like golf? You want a lower score to win? I don't know how the points work, to be honest with you. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Quoting coach Dave Rinker, I was really pleased with how we handled the conditions. It was 91 at the time of the race, so the conditions were not ideal. They got in their groups, and then they really attacked the middle. While everyone else settled in, we constantly moved over the last half of the race. Jamie was set to compete at the Penn State Open on Friday, October 18th at 10 a.m. in their final race before the CAA Championship. I am
1: upset that I missed that. It's okay. All right, I will add something in the next newsletter, and maybe we'll fire out a tweet here in the next couple of days, giving them one in case you missed it. Yeah, maybe this was our-
0: Maybe I did tweet it. Did I tweet it? No. I, d- I don't recall anything. Not huh. to be rude. I guess I was just out of it because I was. I think I was driving on Friday. Yeah, and working. Yeah, I was probably. Um, what was I doing on Friday? Well,
1: is a miss by us, but we will. We'll make a good, t- good. Good job by you calling it out. I I don't know why I decided to pull up cross country, but smart. We gotta make sure we hit them all. I will add something in. I'll make a note for. Next week's newsletter. And, uh, yeah, I guess we'll have to add
0: them to our,
1: our usual outline. Well, I guess not for a little bit because they don't run again until the
0: 18th. So yeah. Stupid. Um, but. but, yeah, that, that covers all the sports. Uh, Great. Anything else out there you you want the people to read? I mean, we have the, the, the round table with Chase Key, Yeah. You and me talking some JMU football in writing form coming out Friday
1: um yeah we have that i'll have some sort of elon preview i was trying to do it tonight but that doesn't look likely i'll hopefully have that at some point when you're listening to this on thursday maybe in the evening i'm unsure but i'll have some basic thing whether it's like three keys to the game or i met stony brook i feel like i said elon
0: you did but but uh, i didn't even notice it
1: yeah so i will have something on that we have that with Chase Kitty, which we think, or the, at least the plan is to have that be a weekly thing, so it won't just be like one time, a one time show.
0: Maybe a random Friday podcast roundtable to go along. Honestly, with
1: honestly, that's not a bad idea. A Little bonus pod.
0: And I've been. I'll, we'll talk about this off air, and it might, it might be an announcement later on. Disregard that I said anything.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good pod. Yeah, Anything. And so yeah, That that's all for us. Um, so follow us on Twitter. No one, okay, side note, no one tweeted yes. to get the Ben Denucci shirt.
1: Did, was that a thing?
0: So I don't think people listen to us. Oh, they
1: didn't listen to the end is what you're saying.
0: Yeah, and I even said listen to the end for a surprise.
1: I guess they lose us after a little bit.
0: Uh, it's whatever. I, I understand. But going back to the topic at hand. That wraps it up for us. So um, if you don't already, follow us on Twitter at JMU Sports News. You can find us on Facebook, JMU Sports News. Type that into the search bar. Go ahead and like. make sure that we're showing up in your news feed so you see all things JMU all the time. And then also check us on over on the World Wide Web that you can head on over to HTTP colon forward slash forward slash www.jmusports.com news.com and you'll see all of our fantastic content there for better comment my name is jack fitzpatrick you guys have a wonderful rest of your thursday see ya